Yo, so today is a monumental day because we're going to get into some heavy topics. You already know we got a black vice president now in the office and um, I'm feeling I'm feeling black excellence. And we're going to talk about Raz V because the interview that I did with him has been shut down for now and we're going to open it all the way up. No pun intended. Now, there's black excellence here, Damage Blue. What have y'all been... I know, I didn't know how to open the show. It, it, it's a lot. <laughs> You know, we, oh, we also we also have a young lady that I met on uh, Clubhouse. You know, I'm a crackhead on Clubhouse, and she's won Talent Unlocked. She won a thousand dollars and an interview here on the show uh, and our national show. So she's going to be here, Kentucky. But my heart is heavy on one side for the burden that Kamala Harris is getting ready to endure, and then on the other side for Raz B not having his voice heard. Uh, but I'm here, and so what? What y'all been up to? Well, I'll start. I should go on Talent Unlocked so I can get $1,000 because H&R Block stole my stimulus. Damn. For anybody out there who has H&R Block, do not use them. Um, so I've had just a fun time just asking where my money went. So much fun. What do you mean, so, what you yeah. mean they stole the stimulus? So the government sent them my stimulus check, and then they said you would get it no later than the 6th. Today is not the 6th, y'all. It's way past the 6th. <laughs> and when I call them, they say, well, you should have gotten it by the 6th. I said, but I didn't. And they're like, oh, man, that's rough. And then they hang yeah, up on me. No, I'm confused. Am, am I supposed to get the stimulus? Because I've been checking my bank account and it ain't showed up. You are too rich to get a stimulus, Jason Lee. This is not your kind of conversation. But for the rest of us mere mortals... <laughs> What we're not what we're not gonna do is we're not gonna do stimulus shaming. That's what we're not doing. <laughs> no, we're wealth shaming. We're wealth, wealth shaming. shaming. Sorry. We're wealth shaming. You got too much money for six hundred dollars, Jason. You're too rich, Jason. You don't have these problems. Stop, stop it, stop it. First of all, what I'm not gonna do is turn the audience against me by uh, by trying to relate to them by shaming me for having a couple extra dollars. I'm not rich. I'm 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 doing okay, but I still want my six hundred dollars. That's six hundred dollars. I'm not, I'm, this is too serious for myself for me to say what I'm doing. Never mind, never mind. No, because, because you, know, a, you know, I have an apartment in New York now and the strippers, are, they're all unemployed. Like all the strippers are messaging me on our stripper chat and they're trying to get me to, to like, you know, infuse a couple of dollars in their bank accounts. But I'm, I'm like, I'm like, wh what are we going to do? I mean, my friend, Sean, I mean, I don't want to put him all the way on blast. Super nerd on Instagram. He actually tried to get me to um, hire strippers in my New York apartment. Well, no, no, it wasn't him. It was Calvin, Callie Shine on Instagram, but he's married to the, well, anyway, my friends in New York have been trying to get me to bring the strippers over to the house and I would have took that $600 and boosted their economies. I, I, I want to buy groceries. You're talking about strippers. I want to buy groceries, Jason, but okay. <laughs> We're just trying to eat, Jason. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> wow. My New York apartment and my strippers need the money from my stimulus. Well, yeah. You know, we have different problems, Jason. You know, I'm bi-coastal, so I need the extra change. You know, I get it. I get it, Jason. Look, I'm having a good year too, man. I, I, this year has been, I have no complaints. Everything has felt so aligned. I'm thankful to be on the show. I'm thankful to be working with y'all. So if you're asking me what I got going on, it's all been beautiful. I'm feeling good. That's all I got, though. Ain't nothing else new. Well, I, well I'm also happy to announce that we are we've been extended through May on Fox Soul. So that that hey, is what I'm talking hey, about. Hey. You know, you know, 28 episodes yeah. in of a pandemic ain't easy, people. So you know, uh, you know, and I I appreciate being able to share this space with both of you. You know, damage. You've been a ride or die for a minute, and blues come in, and you know, been a ride or die as well, and. We have serious conversations on this show. You know, a lot of people, yeah. you know, you know, I, I want to reveal something. I have feel, felt 
guilted into being the messy tea guy, the guy that everybody showed up for. Because, you know, there's a lot of fear. I built this brand on a very specific uh, temperature. And so to turn that temperature down, you know, there's a little fear and pe- people may not want to show up and people may not want to, you know, enjoy what I have to offer because they want all the, the flair. And, and I'll tell you, that's why I created Gagging. But, you know, I have to say this show has to evolve in a space, especially in today's times where we can talk about the topics we're going to talk about today. And, and I also say to my audience, right, those of you, I always talk about how damages roll with me. It's a lot of y'all on here that have rolled with me for the last five years. And I have to say, I do, I want to thank you because you've allowed me to evolve. You've seen me lose the weight. You saw the book. You saw the the Ariana Grande jokes. God forbid, those ain't never coming back. You've seen me be my best. You've seen me at my worst. You've stuck with me. And the thing I learned, Damage in Blue, is I have to stop focusing on the 2.45 million that follow on Instagram, the 245,000 or 55,000 on YouTube, whatever. I got to stop worrying about all the masses and focus on the 5,000 who show up, who buy my books, who buy the merch, who watch the show, who subscribe, who 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 uh, join our gag nation on YouTube. Those are the fans. Those are the diehard people. I would rather focus on the on the quality of the people that support me and that are supporting this show and this brand than the quantity. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It makes total sense. And also we're living in history. Like our kids are literally going to be learning about 2020 and 2021 in the history books. So it'd be insane for you not to evolve at the times and make your voice heard on a huge platform that you built on your own. So right. obviously you have to evolve. Yeah. And I've also heard uh, white people, uh, there were some black people on Clubhouse saying that they thought I was just a black man who was the face of a white man's company. Y'all better stop playing with me. You know, the thing I did do is try to include, you know, diverse conversations because look at the world we live in. Right. And the one thing that I did do that I do regret is I do. I used to always say I don't need to come in here and talk about being black all the time because, you know, I'm black and everybody knows outside of the show, I'm proud to be black and I'm doing a lot of the things to move our conversation. But I realized something along the way that there are people counting on me being silent about how proud I am to be black because of the fear that momentum will build in attacking uh, the, the disparity between us as a people in this country with people who are not like us. And so for that, I have yep. been doing a lot more to use my platforms to talk about you know, the pride I have in being black, being a black business owner, a black entrepreneur, a black person in tech and 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 somebody who has created his own way. And I hope that people will, 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 will respect that in the end. Look, you know, we have to get into some serious stuff today. We have a black vice president, as we said, but also we have a black man who's been talking about a lot of stuff going on in the, you know, in his life with his family members who have sexually abused him, allegedly, Rasby, and the fact that his interview was shut down. And so... We're going to get into that coming up. Uh, Damage, what have you been doing? Um, you know what? I haven't been doing much, Jason. But like I said earlier, uh, I'm just I'm just blessed. This has been a good year. I'm so thankful. Once again, I, I want to thank you and Blue just for being my ride or dies on this show. I can't Aww. complain about anything. Like My son's birthday's coming up. He's completely healthy. My mom's 77 years old. She don't got COVID. I can't complain right now, Jason. I'm just loving life. Well, I have a comp- another complaint besides H&R Block. Jason, you know, I've been so inspired by you. I give up sugar. And so Woo, that's been interesting. Oh, man, it's been... Not, <laughs> wait, giving up sugar is not easy. Uh, what has the experience been? Um, I lost like 15 pounds, but I wake up sometimes having dreams about 
eating candy. Just uh, <laughs> I had like an erotic dream about peppermint uh, candy. Like I just I miss sugar. Sugar is a drug, y'all. It's it's, it's rough out here in these sugar free streets. So it's the biggest uh, send drug. prayers. It is the biggest drug, and I blame Jason Lee and all his Tatiana antics. It officially rubbed off. Um, yeah, I want some candy, y'all. I'm afraid to ask this question because the peppermint, peppermint candies are the candies that the church mother slides to you in church. What I like the sticks. Dreams, what, what erotic dreams? I've, I had an erotic dream about a peppermint stick. It was not, it was not okay. It was not okay. <laughs> Use your imagination, no, Jason. No, no, I blame no, the sugar. No, 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 no yes. No, yes. No, no, I will not yes. use my imagination and nor will I allow for this anymore. You know what I will say? You know, damage you brought up, you know, you know, your mom not having COVID. I just got back from Miami. No. And I can't lie. First of all, I have to shout out Tory Lanes. I hung out with Tory Lanes this week in Miami. Tori, I actually like Tory Lanes. I like Tory Lanes. I'm sorry. I I have to say, he he reminds me a lot of my homies from the hood who have a bunch of recklessness surrounding him, who's moving through the streets with this don't give a fuck attitude. But privately, we actually had a decent conversation. Now, I know he's talking to Jason from Hollywood Unlocked, so I do know I'm going to have a different experience with him than most people. But I will say, I actually enjoyed his company. I'm sure there's pictures out there. I wanted to get a picture with him just to blow up the internet because I know a lot of people are going to be like, I can't believe, like, damage his face. I can't believe you hung out with him because, damage, we know how you feel about Tori. You can uh, hang out with whoever you want, bro. You can. Yeah, wow. I did not know that. That is that is very interesting, Jason Lee. I'm using yeah, my full no. name because I'm trying to grapple with this. Okay. Okay, so so let me set the scene. So I, you know, I had me a little Please. convertible, I had me a little convertible bins with the blacked out windows. I'm pulled through, you know what I mean? The VIP, they set me up. But listen, when I get out the car, I had to go to the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom and when I came out there playing. Body yada 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 yada, and I didn't hey. know if that was they saw me walking the party or what. But it, it, Tory Lanez hosted the party, me walk. It was, it was a lot. But yeah, I, and then also went to a party on Star Island where Gucci Mane, uh, Tyga, and uh, Lil Baby performed. And I met the kid Twenty Four Golden, who shout out to him. He's super dope. I want to have him on the show soon. Mm -hmm. We can numbers, but Gucci, Gucci remembered me, which was crazy because who are he's. He's Gucci. So I walk up to him. I'm like, hey, man, you know, we need you on the show. And he's like, yo, you want me to do that interview with Hollywood a lot, right? Uh, yeah, I met you before. I remember when I met you. And he told me the event, who the sponsor was and where. And he remembered everything. And he said to me, nigga, I don't forget nothing. And it was kind of scary because I, yeah. I didn't think about all the shit my writers be saying. But Gucci was cool. Tyga acted like he didn't know me a little bit in public. He knew me, but he, he was a little, you know, distant. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe he didn't want any... I don't know. He didn't embrace uh, you like Tori. We talked about his penis in the in a, in a past episode, Jason. He probably saw yeah. you talking about his yeah. lovely penis. So. But unfortunately, Blue, I didn't suck it. So it wasn't much he had to dodge. Okay. It's like if I sucked it, then Tiger, you can act funny. But anyway, I'm gonna let you live because you know, whatever. I don't know where you were coming from that night. Maybe you had too much orange juice or you know, but I'm I'm gonna hold my tongue. I'm gonna hold my Rolling Ray oversized tongue because I could say some shit right now that will really fuck y'all all up, but I'm not going to because Tiger, maybe it was just a lot of energy. I think that was Anwell, Anwell sitting there. So I'm gonna go ahead and retreat. I'm gonna, I'm gonna retreat. 
but it was a bunch of white people and all of us black people. And I looked at my friend and said, we forgot about COVID. We got to go. I forgot COVID was real because I found myself in a party with the food God and all the other people that I haven't seen in forever. And I forgot, although this mm-hmm. seems fun, this is this is a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We were dancing a body, yadi, yadi with Tory Lanez in Miami and, and chewing it, the shit with Gucci Man. And you talk about my stimulus check and you can relate, Jason Lee. Okay. Okay. No, I can. No, listen, I kept my mask on the whole time. And I talked, you know, there was one point where Tori reached over and he said, yo, you're going to be okay. I see how you look. And I'm like, um, this is a little, this is a little tense for me. You know, I, yeah, no, I'm cool. You know? Jason, the big question we all want to know, you know, you was kicking mm-hmm. it with Tori. You know, the, the big question. Did mm-hmm. he do it? One, I did not, did we- I did not see any weapons of mass ankle destruction and two i did not ask him that because we had just exchanged numbers we had we had just exchanged numbers that day and i had just met him i wasn't gonna ask him right then now when i see him again you know mm-hmm. i might have to ask him so but yeah i i will say uh i have to apologize for the the slight recklessness and forgetting that we were in the midst of a pandemic only because it you know let's give ourselves some credit it feels good to get outside like the world is shut down we need it we need to be around people, but we just got to, we got to hold out, you know, cause I'm sure Biden's going to shut this bitch down with a mandated mask thing for like 90 or 120 days. So I, I'm not going to do that again, but I did smoke a lot of hookah and I did hang with Tory Lanez and I definitely was with Goop, Goop, Gucci Mane. Goop. Goop. And I did have dinner with Fugat, who by the way is messy as hell. He came to Prime 112. And I was sitting in the corner, this table that they had put me at. But he said that was like the hometown buffet area of the restaurant, which I don't think there's the hometown buffet area of Prime 112 because it's like of Prime 112. That's, that's so bougie. That is so bougie. You know, okay. he's not getting a stimulus. Right. He's not worried about H&R Block. Okay. He, he actually made the people move our table. Wow. Jason, you were the down-to-earth one. You were in a group where you were the down-to-earth one. This is all I'm hearing right now. Wow. This is... What in, the, what, in the privilege, what in the privilege is going on? Why are we moving from a... a, a and I was like this because I have my rollie on, but what are we, why are we moving from the table? I want to sit here, but Food God moved us. And um, oh, shout out also... I went to another party with Larsa Pippen, but this party wasn't oh as my no, it was only 10 billionaires in the room and 10 billionaire millionaires that we were, you know, we were talking about Hollywood Unlocked and me and Larson were hanging out. I did a lot this weekend. I, I, I'm not going to do no You more. also got tested though, right? In the middle of all that, at the end, you got tested. Yeah? Of course. You know what? We're going to work on you, Jason. <laughs> we're going to work on you, Jason Lee. It's okay. Get in line because Jesus has been working on me forever. Now let's get to the show. There's a lot going on in the world these days because uh, the Cheeto in charge has finally left D.C. Oh, my God. Damage the blue. I don't know if you're as happy as I am, but now we have a new president and a new vice president with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Did you wake up on a better side of the bed? Hell yeah. Oh, my God. I am so happy. And I'm happy he didn't show up to the inauguration because I love it when trash takes itself out. So, yes, I'm very happy today. (laughs) I'm excited. 
I'm excited, man. You know, Kamala was in there looking good, man. You know, Joe was up there doing his thing. And shout out to um, the Obamas. I feel like they stole the show, but I know we're going to get Oh, that. they are the show. Michelle Obama's hair. Real quick. Let's be honest, guys. I don't know if we can like pull up this picture. In 2016, she showed up to the inauguration of Donald Trump with a, like a, a jagged ponytail. Like she was ready to fight somebody and put on some Vaseline. And so the fact that this <laughs> that picture of her in 26, she's scowling, her hair's pulled back. She she must have had bamboo earrings on. I love 2016. Yeah, let, let let hold on. We got a video, but before we pull up the video, this is probably what it feels like when Beyonce and Jay-Z come to um, Kelly Rowland's birthday party. They're definitely gonna steal the show every time. Look, here's the video for those of you watching. President Obama, first lady Michelle Obama. Dang right. Cecilia Vega, Barack Obama chose Joe Biden as his vice president. He trusted Joe Biden as his vice president. He writes about being irritated at times by Joe Biden uh, as vice president. But in the end, they became brothers. But see, now, now this is the problem that I got. This the is the hair problem. was flowing. While I love seeing the Obamas come out in public, I don't know if I would invite them to my inauguration because, you know, they upstaged <laughs> them. I mean, I went on Facebook and I said, and I quote, Michelle Slade today. They were like, yeah, but it's Kamala's day. Mind your business. I'm like, you on my Facebook. This is my business. What are you mm -hmm. talking about? It, it was Michelle's day today. <laughs> it's Michelle's day today. Even Kamala was starstruck. Like Kamala was like, oh my God, Beyonce showed up to my inauguration. I think we all know, including Kamala, that it was Michelle's day. So let's not play the fool. She stole the show. Her and her expensive, luxurious edges. I was here for all of it. So the thing that I love the most, I mean, I went over to Clubhouse, had an entire conversation about it. I love the fact that, um, I love that Kamala uh, wore a dress. Uh, I thought that she was going to feel pressured <laughs> into dressing up like a man. I thought she was going to feel pressure mm -hmm. to put on one of those wrinkly little frumpy uh, suit, men's suits. And I love the fact that she came looking beautiful and she looked like a woman because this is history to have a a woman not to mention a black woman and a woman of color at that in the white house as a vp and so i don't know i just felt i felt re-inspired again it took me back to 2008 when obama uh the obama was elected president just how unifying the the, the sentiments were immediately i mean we know that we're getting ready to get into some shit because government is government and it's it's messy whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. I just think the last four years have been so traumatizing with the uh, Cheeto in charge at the helm of our country. Think about it. We've had him try to repeal LGBT rights for uh, the Marriage Equality Act. We had him try to take away health care for all Americans. We had him shut down borders to uh, Muslim countries. We had him put, you know, keeping kids in the cages at the borders and Mexico. I don't know that I've ever in my life seen anything like what we just saw, but I never want to see it again, ever. Amen. No. Amen. And like you said, it's probably not going to get you know better overnight, but at the same time, at least we have a president that listens to professional advice, right? Because you had Trump over here. He don't listen to the scientists. He don't listen to the generals. He's like, okay, who cares? You've been doing this for a living all your life. I have a better idea. No, you don't, buddy. So no. I'm just, I'm grateful for that.
Now, I've opened up here on the show how my sister, one of my sisters just passed away from COVID-19. Uh, I love the I, I love the fact that one of Biden's first things out the gate was acknowledging all the people that have died from the pandemic. We've had over 400,000 people in this country die. I don't think we really think about the the what that what that represents. In my whole life, I've never seen a pandemic sweep through our country the way that this pandemic has and, and and I'll go on to say that Trump was at the gate with the gate open saying, come on in, just like those racists at the Capitol, those terrorists. And so I just I just feel overjoyed that government as I know it. And I don't like government. I don't like big government. I don't like controlling government. Let me be clear. But government as I know it is back It's some stability. It's sort of like we got on the bus and the bus driver was hanging out at the Abbey for too many hours, sipping on them mojitos. And now this this drunk bitch is driving up and down Santa Monica Boulevard, bumping into everything. I am glad that she's out the White House. She, Trump. Well, you know what? I love that you guys are pointing out the fact that I think a lot of us have issue with government in general, right? But there was this really uh, just silly argument that was made in 2015 and 2016 that, oh, Hillary and Trump are the same thing. I think because we had four years of Trump, we can stop saying that Hillary and Trump or Democrats and Trump are the same thing. I think we can put that to bed. We can now admit that there's politicians as usual, Democrats and Republicans, and then there's the Antichrist that was Trump. And so to so all the people who didn't vote in 2016 because they thought, what, why does it matter? We all found out the hard way why it matters. I'm going to say something that's going to probably piss people off, and I want to know what you two think. I think America, particularly Black America, got the election last time wrong by not voting in a seasoned, experienced leader like Hillary Clinton. She should have won. I actually agree with you. I, I think Hillary was is not likable, and she was problematic, but she was actually competent. Competence now is back in the White House, whether you liked them or not. She was actually competent, whether you liked her or not. Donald Trump was so bad that we all so want to go and hug George Bush. Like Bush, when you see Bush on, <laughs> on TV now, it's like, hey, I remember him. It's like you want to invite Bush to the cookout. That's how bad Trump is. That's terrible. We hated George Bush. Now you see Bush and uh and Obama together. It's like, yeah, we like that. No, that's no, how bad Bush, Donald Trump is. I'm gonna tell you why black people forgave Bush because the minute we saw him sneak uh, uh Michelle Obama sneaking him candy. That's when we was like, yo, if Michelle going to give up her candy to Bush, I can trust him. Yeah, I actually lived in D.C. when Bush was president, and I was there the night that Barack Obama, the first term, and I was one of those mobs of angry people who showed up to the White House to cuss out Bush. We stood outside till 5 o'clock in the morning yelling um, songs at him and telling him to leave the White House. I now look back and think, oh, that was cute. I thought Bush would be the worst thing that happened in my life. And now I see what's happening in D.C., and I think Trump has made us have a lot more gratitude for the folks that we do put in office because we know how bad it can really, really get. All right, so Donnie, let me be very clear. We're we are all glad on speaking on behalf of all of the the Black Americans in this country and Black people all over the world, and just people, just Muslims, Mexicans, gay people, every Dr. Fauci. We are all happy that you are gone. And I'm gonna tell you, you are one of the most pettiest bitches I've ever seen, and I am petty as fuck. Now, y'all know if you watched Gagging last night, you saw that I now own Gag Order. I'm sorry, Kaya is somewhere in her. Somewhere in her shack, checking her neck and her back because I snatched that too. And the thing about it is, you have to remember, okay? This is why when you there's certain people you got to watch for. You got to watch for Trump, and if you're on the internet, you got to watch for me. But let's go back to Trump, okay? You had <laughs> y'all, you guys allowed Trump to reveal the worst part of America. 
I knew that America was bad. I knew that America had potential to be selfish and bullies. We bullied the whole world for years. And I see how we we killed the Indians and took their country, then hired, you know, not hired. We went and stole niggas to come over here and, and build it up and then told everybody that we didn't belong here. So I've I've always known America to be selfish and aggressive and a bully. But what, what Trump has done has he's revealed the worst part of us as a nation. The fact that racists believe that they can go to the Capitol with nooses and hang the vice president with horns on their head and paint and then go to the same Instagram that Trump has been banned from and ask us all for empathy and to help them not go to prison. I, I will say that I've learned a lot in the last four years. I've learned a lot more than I already knew in the last four years. But what I will say is that I hope that everybody watching um, knows that they have a place in government. You have to be involved in the process. You can't just look at the president that sits in the Oval, Oval, Oval Office. You got to be involved mm-hmm. with your mayor. You got to be involved with your congressman or congresswoman, your city council members. You got to the, the pest control. You better be involved in all forms of government because if you don't, we're going to wake up and we're going to let another one sleep in the house. And I know you Republicans are, you're nervous. You mad at, you mad at Kamala. You mad at uh, Stacey Abrams and all the other black women who are cleaning the house because, baby, you look at us like maids. And so we're going to come in and sweep your shit up and get you the fuck out. But you know what? <laughs> With that being said, maybe Trump was a necessary evil that this country needed because if you Absolutely. look at the people that are now in the Senate and that are doing things around this country, they probably have never got these opportunities to help us people of color because we weren't showing up to vote. And Trump was so terrible that the person that haven't voted for 50 years, I have people in my family haven't voted for decades. They went out there and voted and made their, uh, their vote count. So salute to Trump for that. He was so shitty that we actually shaped up and went out there and made our vote count. Yeah, I completely agree with that. He, he, he was a very necessary evil. I completely, I think Trump actually is what we needed because it's been two Americas for a very long time and white folks were able to hide behind white liberals and pretend like there's only one America. And Trump was like, oh, hold my beer. And the FBI even said the day that Trump got elected, that, that was the highest level of hate crimes the entire year. So literally from the second they announced him as president, all these toothless hillbillies came out of the woodworks and they're, they're bougie cousins, because let's be honest, some of the racists are, are very bougie, and they showed their asses, and thank you, Trump, for showing us where all the roaches were. We appreciate it. But you, you know what? That. I'm going to also go ahead and blame some of you Negroes, too, because some of you black-ass <laughs> niggas out there, y'all sat there and you rode that Trump train because you thought you were going to benefit from it. Yeah, he got two of your favorite rappers out of prison or out of problems, Kodak Black and, 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 and uh, Lil Wayne. Now, I'm going to tell you, Kodak Black, they should have left his ass in prison. I'm going to tell you why. Because the way he disrespected Nipsey alone, for me, throw, throw the key away. The way you disrespected yep. Nipsey by, by, by trying to uh, holler at um, uh, my girl, Lauren London, right Lauren as London. he had passed away. So disrespectful. And and for me, I just personally don't, I, I just, we have to stop as a people gravitating towards the things that look shiny. Okay, so we thought that the Prentice star who said grab him by the pussy uh, in the era of trying to protect black women was going to be the man that was going to lead us to the promised land and get our 40 acres in the meal. But what he did as a consolation prize to all of you shucking and jiving the little two, what's the two black women who used to go around with him? Diamond uh, and Sue. Cisco and Hennessy, whatever. <laughs> you, know, you, you know, the consolation prize that you got for him as president is he let out your favorite rappers. He didn't, he didn't do anything monumental for black people. And don't please don't bring up what he did for HBCUs because listen, that nigga literally gave the money to buy the black vote. Let's be very clear. 
He did nothing yep. good to advance us as a people. And so I'm really glad that he's out. But it's some of us that I have an issue with today because I went on Clubhouse. As you know, that's my favorite app that I'm a, I'm a Clubhouse crackhead. I went on the app today as I was preparing to come here. And I saw that there was a conversation uh, congratulating Kamala Harris as the new vice president because she's the first female and, uh, and, a, and a female of color at that in the White House. Now, we all know Vogue recently came under fire. I think we got the pictures from the Vogue cover. This is the Vogue cover that they had where they shot her and she looked very light-skinned, okay? And we talked about this before on the show where we talked about the lighting and, and you know, all of that. was well, created a whole conversation around colorism now. There was a room on Clubhouse where it went from congratulating her and celebrating her to uh, saying that she became the vice president because she's light-skinned. And, mm. and I had an issue with that. So I started another room uh, called Colorish, uh, Colorism Conversations, Why is Kamala's Skin Tone a Conversation? And so I first want to say before I open it up that white people started this conflict that we have in our community. But, but black people, in my opinion, black folks, all of you are continuing to make it a problem in our community. You allowed the, the, you allowed the hatred, you allowed the, the spiking of the punch to grow into a pandemic and now an epidemic within our community where you force people to take sides based on their experience. You force people to feel some type of way based on pointing out other things. And I, I will say this, I went on Clubhouse and shout out to Catherine Bruton, the vice president of BMI and Tanika Ray and Amber Rose and other people that came into the room and helped moderate this conversation with strong women of color of different shades. One thing we all said was, Colorism is a real issue that we should unpack and continue to have evolving dialogue around blue. You know, you and I have talked about it on the side, wanting to really create a nice conversation around it. But right. we have to stop. We're not going to take the day that she's elected as vice president to separate our people over it, are we? Is that what we're doing? So I have thoughts. Um, I'm going to start with the great ones first. I completely agree with you, Jason. Um, colorism is not about blackness. Anytime we pretend it's about blackness, we've already gotten it wrong. Colorism is about proximity to whiteness. It was created by white people as a disease that they spoon fed to us to hate our own. So I completely agree that white people gave us this disease and we are cultivating it, right? And so we should be able to acknowledge that Kamala Harris, yes, she gets the benefit from light skin privilege, but that doesn't take away from the fact that she is completely qualified and she's probably going to do an amazing job cleaning up the mess that Donald D. Trump left for the rest of us. So that's one thing. You can you can acknowledge colorism, but still clap for a sis who went to HBCU who is going to fight the good fight on our behalf. So I completely agree with Jason on that. Where I think my opinion gets a little bit nuanced, though, is the fact that I had to cover the VP uh, picking process very extensively at my day job. And I know for a fact that Stacey Abrams was actually the first person that they courted for this position. She was literally having dinner with Biden all the time. And it was very, very heavily uh, speculated that she was going to be the VP nominee. Let's be honest, guys. Politics is as much about policy as it is about optics. How you look, especially as a black person, especially as a black woman, does matter in politics. They literally do polls where they see, are you visually going to be accepted by the community? So the fact that from the beginning, it was supposed to be Stacey Abrams, and then right before it turned to Kamala Harris, there actually is a precedent that there was some optics issues there. And to make this less highbrow, my best friend is a light-skinned black man. The day that they announced that Kamala Harris was the VP, he was in an Uber with another man. This man said, I can't believe that he picked a fat black woman 
to be the VP and went off on Stacey Abrams for 20 minutes. My best friend waited for him to be done and said, ooh, bruh, you got that wrong. We thought it was going to be Stacey. He actually picked Kamala. And the, the, the driver said, oh, okay, that works. So let's be clear. My best friend called me. He said, Blue, you always talk about colorism and how insidious it is. It wasn't until I watched somebody drag Stacey Abrams, who's equally qualified, and then be relieved when a more visually appealing Kamala Harris was chosen that I realized just how insidious this is. So I'm going to say this. People who think that there is something amiss with the optics are completely correct. The optics do matter. I think it's naive at best and intellectually dishonest at, at worst to pretend that the way that you look does not matter. Barack Obama and Kamala being mixed race, it matters to white people. It really does. Ask them yourselves. However, we can still clap for her. We can still clap for her and say she did a great job. She didn't create that. She did not create th this dynamic. And so she shouldn't be blamed for it. Those are my two opinions. No, I, no, I know. I, I think I listen. I don't argue with what anything what you just said. I think you're absolutely correct. I do think that uh, there's a lot that plays into the decision. And I and I what I really love is that you said the same thing that people said on Clubhouse. We can have both conversations at the same time. I think on the day though that she's uh, elected uh, as vice president, I agree. Uh, you know her inauguration. Let's let her have her flowers for one day. We know. The hashtag protect black women is a real thing for at least a lot of these rappers when it comes to making the stallion. But I'm going to say it applies to Kamala. We have to protect this black woman. We're going to go through some of the worst scrutiny over the next four years. White people are going to tear her down. Uh, foreign leaders who, who are used to dealing with men all the time are going to tear her down. And and yeah. so now we gonna we going to tear her down too? No, I think I think we should use this opportunity as a time where we can stop focus on light skin and dark skin. I even look at my own history of saying I like a light skinned man. I didn't. I, that's that was my that was my attraction. There are people who are attracted to Asians. I have a friend. All he wants to do is date Asian women. He's Filipino. I'm black, you know. And so I personally decided to no longer say I like a light skinned man because I like dark skinned men too. I just in describing what I preferred, I said that. Now what I will say is I've learned in my own experience, in my own journey, that my words have power. You know, we do this show, the three of us have our own individual platforms and together we have this megaphone. And so sometimes when we say something that just, you know, to me is just, maybe it's just a preference, uh, that, that, that has repercussions and that hat, that ha it impacts people in different places. People have come from different uh, walks in life. And so I've learned how to be a little bit more responsible with what I've projected and put out. And it doesn't mean that I'm not uncensored or that I can't, you know, have my interest, but, but I think being very clear uh, about our intentions is important as we navigate through these colorist streets. I agree, man. And one thing I'm sick of seeing too is, is she black enough? How she grew up? She grew up in this neighborhood, but went to this school. Why does that matter? What does black enough mean? Like, what is the true definition of being black in this in this country? Like, I'm I'm so disgusted with that because if anything, if she does have an advantage where she grew up in a white neighborhood and she knows how to articulate with whites, why is that a bad thing? That somebody's in the office that can speak that language, I guess the white language because she's not black enough, to fight for uh, rights of all people. I'm just I'm I'm trying to really understand this black enough talk because that's another thing we do along with colorism. We try to level how black somebody is depending on how much struggle they had in their life is that what we are as black people where you have to struggle a certain amount of time in your life to be considered black what what is up with yeah. that and the gag is with that is that there's some really dark-skinned black people who don't like us and there's some really really pale <laughs> hotaps who love us and so for me i don't ask if you're black enough i ask are you pro-black if you are pro-black you are black enough for me if you are anti-black i don't care if you are as dark as tar we have a problem
So to me, forget black enough. Are you pro black? What I love about the inauguration also was that that they are very socially conscious. They didn't have millions of people out there for you know because they know we're in the middle of a pandemic. Everybody wore their masks. They had the black man, the black officer who diverted the haters, the the hate crime of terrorists at the Capitol. They had him walk Kamala out. So they're they're being very socially socially conscious. Now when they brought J Lo out to perform. I got nervous because, you know, that girl in a live mic, I didn't know where it was going to go. But she pulled it it off and Lady Gaga pulled it off, too. I think that they both did a great job. I love how Lady Gaga was fanning out for the Obamas and fanning out for them up there on the stage. Because, listen, I think we all can say no matter where we were when when this inauguration took place that we were doing two things. One, saying, damn, Michelle's hair is laid. She looks fly. And also saying, please don't have nobody shoot nobody, no bombs go off. Because I was nervous the entire inauguration. One thing I wasn't nervous about was that Trump took his last helicopter flight. I don't even know. He didn't even come to the inauguration. Is that crazy or what? He's not invited. He's not invited. The Republicans don't want him there. Nobody wants him around. Trump was definitely invited. His vice president don't like him. Pence don't like him. And we thought Pence was terrible. Pence is like, nah, I'm with y'all. Even terrible people don't like Trump. Pence is terrible, but he still has sense. Pence is terrible. And let me tell you something about old Mitchie Mitch. Oh, let me tell you, I know you're shaking in your senior citizen ARP car holding boots because you have done a lot of co-signing of the man. And now you got naughty Nancy in there. You got Cam Cam with the Tims. You got Biden who's like, yo, that pen is already a Uzi. He is in the White House over office right now signing executive orders to overturn half the stuff that 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 uh that Trump has done. You know, we have the Senate, we have the House, we don't have the judicial branch, but he's gonna pack the courts, and now we got the White House. I don't know what's getting ready to happen, but this is what this is this to me feels like, you know, when the Crips move in your neighborhood and now there's exactly there's more Crips on the block and you know they know where the trap house is and they about to come raid it. So you better try to get everything you can before you get, you better get it all, Mitch, because they coming for you. <laughs> I love that analogy so much because it's so accurate. Politics is like a gang war. I mean, you're, you're a lot more accurate than I think some of our viewers realize. And I think that this felt like a warning shot to everybody who backed Trump um, that their reckoning is coming. And I love the idea of watching this unfold. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. I'm going to be watching them on CNN the way that I watched Spider-Man climb up the Capitol. And you know what? I'm going to be shaking my little black head at y'all white people because we we know you're crazy. We know you're crazy. My mama was white. Craziest motherfucker I ever met in my life, okay? Well, my grandma, she was crazy too. But either way, these, these white folks was crazy. And I will tell you, when I saw y'all put them horns on your head, and when I saw you go down there and get shot in the throat and climb up the building saying you wanted to put a noose around the vice president's neck, I sat at home and texted my friends and said, well, these motherfuckers don't go out today. Just stay in your house. Post made it up. Don't open the blind. Pull the blinds down because they're climbing up the side of the Capitol. So I can't wait to see what's going to happen. Uh, this shit's going to be on fire like Roland Ray. Like, it's going to be just... Rolling Ray, oh my gosh! Yeah, he got he got burned up. I I did a I did. If you want to see Rolling Ray, 
and you want to see what I said about it, go watch Gagging with Jason Lee and go download it. It's also a podcast, too. It's the craziest, wildest conversation. I know that the handicapped community is going to roll up on me, and we'll deal with that whenever it happens. In the meantime, another thing that I want to roll up on really quick, you know, we were supposed to uh, launch the uh, release the Raz B interview. I sat down with Raz B last week to talk with him about uh, sex abuse and the fact that for years he's been asking for people to take him serious. He's been asking for justice. He's been asking for people to take the alleged sex abuse that occurred when he was a kid by his cousin um, and former manager, Chris Stokes, and also allegedly with Marcus Houston. And so I wanted to, now that we're in the era of the Me Too and the uh, Time's Up movement, that all these women have been uh, uh, getting a platform to share and find justice. I felt like it was time to circle back and have a conversation with Raz, who I haven't talked to since, what, 13 years ago on this topic. So I interviewed Raz, and when the promo for the interview went out, there was an alleged uh, cease and desist letter sent to Fox Soul stopping and blocking the interview from Aaron, which is the craziest thing, because in the five years I've owned Hollywood Unlocked, in the four years that I've had this show, I have never received a cease and desist letter for for any interview from anybody about stopping or blocking a conversation. And I felt like this is where this is where Chris fucked up. Chris, where you fucked up was you did it in a time where it is like literally adding gasoline to a fire. Now that you have temporarily blocked the interview you have lit social media on fire where they are demanding not only that they see the interview but that you be strapped down the way you probably allegedly strapped these kids down and put into a test for the truth and we're going to get to that but first i want to show you a clip from raz b because you may have silenced his interview last week but bitch you can't silence me take a look me Too, Time's Up has existed and protected women. It's been a veil of protection for women. But I feel like when it comes to men, they're made a mockery. They're called gay. You've had all that happen to you. And they're disrespectedly right. disregarded. And the people that they accuse don't even get interviewed. And so uh, I've been very vocal and a champion of you getting justice over the years. So that's why I asked you the question. No, I mean, I, you know how deep this shit can go. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not here to... I'm not on this earth to serve any devils, nor who I stand by and try to protect any of these people. If you hurt somebody, you need to rectify that. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, the game is different. You know, I feel like for men, uh, it's something that they want to hide. But I feel like a lot of men have been uh, abused and molested. And I, and I personally, I'm excited to do this documentary. It's not about that. It's about my life. But I, we're hiring some of the best doctors. Mm. Now, uh, after that, uh, at, after that clip aired, a couple of things happened. One, I sat down with Rasby at lunch in Miami, and we had a long conversation about the road ahead uh, in airing this uh, interview, and also him, you know, doing what he's going to do to seek uh, justice. And I also received a phone call from Marcus Houston, and I and Marcus, you know, if you're watching, I'm just going to be very transparent because I told you when when I answered the phone, one. This was not a safe space for you, nor was it a private call because I was so fucking pissed at the idea that Chris thought that he could silence me here at Hollywood Unlocked and silence the show and, you know, silence any guest who wants to come on and seek justice. And so Marcus shared from his point of view that, you know, he he feels like Raz is just using this for attention. You know, the same old stuff they've been saying that there's no truth to it, that Raz is uh, that other people in Raz's life molested him, which Raz did talk about in the interview. 
And and so he he kept going on and on about how he felt it was unfair that Raz was continuing to be given a platform to talk about this. And I explained to him that if he's a victim, I've been a victim of uh, child molest. If he's a victim and feels like he needs to be given his just due, so be it. And then, uh, you know, he went on. I went on to say to Marcus that we would invite him here, him and Chris Stokes. So I'm going to say this to you publicly. Not only should you do the, the lie detector test, but you should also come on the show. I will sit down with you, uh, Marcus. I will sit down with you, Chris. And I'll sit down with any of you that were allegedly involved in this and give you a fair platform. I'm going to ask you hard questions. But but if you did nothing wrong, you shouldn't have a problem coming and having those conversations. So uh, I don't know. I know you guys saw the video pop up online. What do you guys think about uh, all of that? Mm. I believe him. I, I, I 100%. I'm going to keep on saying this every time we talk about this topic. I have never not believed Rasby. I think most people would sense believe Rasby, regardless of what you think about him personally. And unfortunately for me, um, I have exes and a lot of my male friends who have confessed that they have been abused or molested. I know what that looks like, and it completely rings true to me. My heart goes out to him. I hope he gets the healing, and I really feel like Chris Stokes, his day of reckoning is also coming. Um, The same way it took a long time for R. Kelly to finally have to speak for what he did because of the Surviving R. Kelly documentary. Look, if y'all got to do Surviving Chris Stokes, I'm here for it. I want to see the lie detector test. I want Jason to be up there administering it so his blood pressure can spike. I think that Rasby is old, um, an apology and some some kind of reparations for what he's been through because they've been trying to discredit him and it almost worked. But in this age of Me Too, I think men have to also be involved in that dialogue because they too get molested. It's not just one. I agree. Thing. I agree. Okay, along with everything I just mentioned, some other things happened. After I sat down with Raz in Miami, he took to his Instagram on his own. And this was after I told him to hold off and not say anything. But he was getting bullied online where people had a lot to say about him coming forward with his claims. And he took his own Instagram and this is what he said. Oh, yeah. And I'm doing this polygraph test for all of my fans that support me, all my family and my friends that support me so I can move on with my career, move on with my life. Free me. So Raz is asking for a polygraph test. And, um, you know, while Chris Stokes has been responding to DMs of fans who've had a lot to say about that request and telling him that they demand that he takes it, he's not the only one. Omarion's brother, Orion. And I've always liked Orion. I didn't like him just because he was cute. I didn't like him because he had a baby by Janae Aiko. I liked him because Orion is has always just been a cool, honest, straight up guy. No, he, he he's just he's straight up. He went to Instagram and he posted this photo, post, post the photo. He posted this photo of him and his daughter, who's grown up now. And he said, Papa's proud of you, my baby. Chris Stokes went under there and did the whole pound pound and the fire flame. And Orion said, take the polygraphs in large letters. Now, Orion. Mm. Orion, you be the man that all those other niggas should have been a long time ago, and you stand behind Raz and ask him to to be and ask Chris Stokes to be held accountable. Because again, if you did nothing wrong, what's wrong with stepping forward and taking the polygraph? What what's wrong? Ain't nothing wrong with that. I love Orion even more than I did before this. He just got can't prove your innocence. It's that easy. Just take the polygraph. Exactly. Well, Chris hasn't responded to taking the polygraph test, but here's my offering. Hollywood Unlocked will pay for all of the polygraph tests. Me. Okay. 
Okay. Come through, Maury. Matter, okay. Matter, matter, matter of fact, I'm going to split it with Maury. We're going to do it together, and we're going to do a two-night <laughs> special. We're going to air it here and on the Maury Povich show. Done. I would love to see that. <laughs> I, I would love to pay for it. I think it's just sad because I remember when this these allegations first came about and we all made fun of Rasby. And that's what people do to men that are molested or touched as kids. You get made fun of. If you get made fun of, it's that or the person that's Yay. actually doing the abusing yeah. to you will, um, if you don't want to be touched, if you don't want to be attacked, they will call you gay. They will call you names. They'll call you stupid. And I feel like a lot of men didn't come around and really support him because I was one of those people like Blue. I always believed him. I just didn't know what to do about it. It's like, okay, that happened. Now what? And I feel like it shows you in today's times with the Me Too movement, the Times Up movement, that we do need to rally around people like Rasby to have these kind of stories and really support them. Because I can't even imagine if I was him in his shoes. And for so so many years, he's been telling the same story, exactly the same story. And no one has even offered um, to really step out and take that next step to help him. So I really do think it's dope that you gave him a platform, um, Jason. And also yeah. for Chris Stokes and Marcus Houston, come on here. If you think he just wants attention, tell the other side of it. We never yeah. get to hear the other side. Y'all just say he wants attention. He's not promoting shit. He don't have shit to sell. What is he promoting? Himself? Like, come on now. I want to I want to hear the other side. I want to hear Chris Stokes' side. I want to hear Marcus Houston's side. So don't just say he's he's doing this for attention. He's crazy. He, he's this and he's that. Let's hear it. Let's really hear you sit down and talk about it. And let's have a conversation. Now, one of the things that was pointed out to me in, in getting that interview was that um, Omarion just recently or not too long ago had an interview with Vlad TV. And in the interview, he seemingly validated the concerns raised by Raz. Um, Marcus also said to me on the phone that he was aware that Raz was molested, but by other people. Here's my thing. If you remember, if you've been watching this show since day one, you remember Kay Michelle was here. And what she said on the show about R. Kelly was that she was around when things were happening. There were mothers in the kitchen cooking and there were other people there, staff that were helping and aiding and abetting this activity. If you were a security guard and you picked people up from the airport, if you were an assistant booking a hotel room or traveling with them, you all need to go to jail because you're all complicit. Yeah. It's almost like if a drive-by shooting happens, you don't just lock up the shooter. You lock up everybody in a car. Unless you cooperate, then maybe you can get a deal. But there are crimes that have been committed and decisions were made. And so for that, all those people need to be in trouble. Now, I, this is the thing that I, I don't understand. One of the reasons, one of the things when we did our research that we said one of the reasons why men don't come forward is because of guilt and shame. Like they're afraid to be looked at as gay or looked at as weak. And how did you let some man or some woman uh, take over mm -hmm. you? Because that was another perspective on Clubhouse yeah. where people were talking about women are also predators for young men too. Oh, you know, yeah. and so... When Absolutely. I think about when I think about the idea that a man would come forward and say, I was molested, a man stuck his penis in me or made me suck his dick. And we would think that he's doing that just for clout in today's society as a black man. Do we I don't believe that I even back then when he did it, even worse back then. It was worse back then. Yeah, it was it really way was. worse. It was like, dog, what are you saying? But my can point, we address this whole thing? Oh, go ahead, Jason. You were about to make a my point. point is when, I was, when I was molested, my mother, I remember sitting with her in the police department and her telling me that she did not believe I was molested, that she, she didn't understand why somebody would touch me. And I, and, I, and, I, and I just go back to that moment when I was seven. And then I look at somebody now who is, what, 33 years old? And, 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 and the seven-year-old and the 33-year-old are literally having the same experience. And, and I think that's very telling about the culture and the climate that we live in, that we 
have not provided a safe space for young boys to be able to come forward and tell their their part. And so I, I, I just I'm very troubled at the idea that 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 they would try to block him from telling his truth, because you can say whatever you want about me. I'm going to let you say whatever you want. And I'm going to come out and address it head on, because if there is truth or no truth, I own everything that I do and say. Uh, and and I said to Fox Soul, we we as partners cannot be complicit in hiding this interview from the public. We have to find the legal route to get to uh, making sure that the public can see his point of view and then let the chips fall where they may. The thing about being complicit that I that I, I'm really happy we're having this conversation is it's impossible to be a Chris Stokes allegedly or an R. Kelly allegedly without an ecosystem. It's impossible to do it this long without people around you who are complicit. And so we absolutely need to look around the people around him because they also have an incentive to make Rasby look crazy. It's not just about their loyal to Chris Stokes. They know that if Chris Stokes goes down, then they have to admit that they helped him do what he did. And also to the point about, well, he was molested by other people. Tyler Perry once famously talked to Oprah about being molested. And he said, Oprah said, why do you think you've been molested by so many different people? And Tyler said, when you are molested, the sharks can smell the blood in the water. You get molested one mm. time, there's a broken spiritness that you have that other molesters smell and they pick up on. So him saying he was molested by other people doesn't take away from what Chris Stokes did to him, allegedly. It only actually substantiates it. So that whole excuse is BS to me. Well, let me give you some, some information we found that just in doing our research. So, you know, here, uh, most of the victims of child abuse keep it a secret. And that they're saying that one in every six men have been a victim of sex abuse. One in every six. We just think about that, right? And so some of the reasons why they don't report it, and this came from Psychology Today. One, the reaction, a lot of anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, and flashbacks, eating disorders that are caused as a result of being sexually abused. Um, shame and self-blame. They feel powerless. They feel like they have no power to control being victimized. And so there's shame in that. Uh, guilt. They don't want to tell the abuse because they, they felt like they did something to bring it on. No pun intended, because don't they have a show called, a movie called Bring It On? Or I can't. Also, sexuality. You know, I would say as a gay man, I love helping children. I love helping children. And I remember when people used to be so mad at the stuff I would do on the show, they would attack me. They would call me fat, gay. Those are things that I was at the time. You know, I'm thinned out a little bit and I'm still gay as fuck. But they would also say, oh, you're a child molester because you're gay. You're a child molester. And it made me so uncomfortable to want to help kids that I literally stopped helping children as a result of being labeled a pedophile because I was a gay man. I remember when I, I had to switch up how I talk because I would, I call, you could be 39 years old and I'm going to call you a boy. Oh, that's that, that boy, that boy wants me. I had to be careful in the words I use because mm -hmm. people would take those words. Oh, this gay man, this 43 year old gay man likes boys. You know what I mean? And so this right. is where as a person who has been a victim of sex abuse to have my own words weaponized against me. I have to now be, I, I'm re-victimized and having to watch how I move and, and be guilted into saying certain things because to say something else could be looked at as, as wrong. And so I would just say to any young man out there who's been abused by a man or a woman, we're going to, I tell you, first of all, we're going to have a conversation here, me, Blue, and Damage, uh, a, a much more well thought out, more uh, layered conversation because I want to explore 
straight men who've been telling me how their sexual relationships with their women have been impacted because of sex abuse from women or men yeah. or both. That's real. And That's we real. started the clubhouse chat. There were so many of you that just came into the room and shared very candidly, very intimate details of experiences you've had in front of a room of strangers. And my hat is off to all of you that have the courage to share because you are the RASB and RASB is the you and me. And we all deserve to have an equal playing field when it comes to having our trauma uh, validated through a process that can hold our, our attackers accountable. Jason, I just want to say one thing that you said that was really powerful about people coming forward. I love psychology today. It's actually one of my favorite magazines. So I love that you got those stats from there. Um, a lot of men have been sexually assaulted and don't know it. A lot of people will have tell you stories. Oh, I was 13 and my mother's friend, I lost my virginity to her. And I think it's a funny story. They don't realize that they were sexually assaulted. So there are going to be some people who are going to be watching this who have been sexually assaulted as men, but because they're taught to normalize it, they don't even know it themselves. So I hope that we can also speak to them who are going to have that aha moment listening to us talk. That's when true. I wrote my book and I recounted the two situations that happened for me with men, right? Because in my mind, I was sexually abused by two men. On this show, again, if you've been watching from day one, you remember when we had T.S. Madison here the first time. And I was telling a story about how I was laying in the bed at eight years old with two older women who were who I was I had sex with at eight years old, and I joked I joked about it. I said we were laying in bed smoking Marlboros. I joked about it, and people in the comments let me have it. They were like, "How dare you joke about being molested?" I didn't even see that as being molested because exactly. at eight years old, if you read the book, God must have forgotten about me. I was running down the streets with a kid around my neck. I was a grown ass eight year old boy, but I was still a kid. And so what people witnessed. And what I witnessed in the playback was I was I was, I was uh, acknowledging that I had been molested another time by women. And I don't think yep. that we think about it that way. If you're the young girl who wore the baby fat jacket in high school because you was fucking the dope boy on the block, he was 23, you were 16, you were molested. If you were the young boy, 16, fucking the 23-year-old, and you was that cool nigga who had an old chick, no. You are molested. And I think once we can come to terms with those conversations, only then can we really start to process the pain. And I, I tell you, I am committed. If Fox Soul doesn't air this show in the next week or so, it will be aired on Hollywood Unlocked, and I will push that thing everywhere. So it's coming. It's coming, Chris. So you might as well just go on and own up and deal with it. Mm. Now, for the record, for the record, I'll say this so I don't get sued. Chris Stokes and Marcus Houston have both denied the claims of doing any wrongdoing uh, in sexual abuse to Razby or any other members of, of B2K. And my understanding, talking to Raz years ago, that there were other members of the group who had been molested. And when I look back over me on Love and Hip Hop, I wonder, why wasn't I in scenes with Omarion? Why wasn't I in scenes with uh, Boog? Why wasn't I in scenes, real scenes with uh, Fizz? You know, there were the little moments here at the reunion, and then there was, you know, a pop-up here and there on specific topics. But but why didn't you allow me? Because, you know, I was going to ask. There was many times I told producers that I wanted to confront uh, uh, Fizz on the conversation that I had with Raz back in 2007, where he said that Fizz was also allegedly molested. And, and, and I wasn't allowed to do that with the producers because they didn't want to touch that topic. But that's the topic that we're going to touch now because... I believe these kids were victimized. And one more thing, Chris. Quentin Tarver has also alleged that you sexually abused him. And I have a friend that was involved with your group 
and in your camp back in the day who's not famous that the world does not know. And he was there. And he witnessed a lot of things. So be careful when you send those cease and desist letters because I'm going to tell you, a subpoena is a dangerous thing. You better ask Kaya. Just like I snatched all her shit, you'll be surprised at what I know. And you'll be surprised at the skeletons in your closet that I got over here in a drawer waiting for them to come out. Now, uh, I hope that everybody is getting the help that they need. You know, I don't like starting these type of conversations for numbers. Yeah, people going to click and watch? Yes, and we thank you for that. But this is not a clickbait show or a clickbait conversation. This is a real thing that real people are dealing with. There's going to be people that watch this show right now that are going to, like Blue said, that are going to have a reaction and that are going to find themselves trapped in uh, Raz's circumstance of not being believed or not being listened to or not being taken serious or even in some cases being shut down. And I could tell you that I, I survived it. We are not victims. Let me change my words up. This again, where words have power. We're survivors of child molest. If you survived it, congratulations. There's a lot of people that took their own lives. Rasby talked about in the interview how he, you know, uh, thought of killing himself and thoughts of suicide. That's thoughts that people have in real life. And so I'm hoping that that he's allowed to have, have his voice heard. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, you know, I told everybody that I was on Clubhouse. It's this app where a bunch of strangers come together and believe that they are best friends. Maybe they be pitching businesses and cars and all types of stuff. But the thing that I wanted to do in coming to uh, the platform was to make sure that I added value. You know what I mean? I got this whole ass radio show and podcast with my with my killers. So why not open it up to artists who are on there pitching their songs to fake A&Rs? So I, I launched Talent Unlocked. I called on my friends Neo, Spinderella from Salt and Peppa. At Fat Joe and Tiffany Haddish to co-judge with me a competition where we asked everybody to participate. Let me go ahead and throw that flyer up real quick. This is the flyer that we put around the internet. This is Talent Unlocked on Clubhouse, so you should be following me. All right, well, look, we found a winner. After 30 people fighting for the top spot, Damage and Blue, Mikatakio. Welcome to the show. Hey. Hi. Yay. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> you know, Katakio, you know, I don't know Damage in Blue. Y'all didn't show up. I need you there for the next one. She went against 29 <laughs> other people for the top spot in public and had to perform on the spot for Neo, Fat Joe, Tiffany, and Spinderella. And it was it, it was brutal. What, wow. did you, what, was the, what was the experience like, Katakio? Oh, my God. So, okay, I saw that you scheduled, you know, Talent Unlocked, but I, I was like, okay, maybe I'll join, maybe I won't, whatever, you know. And then when I, it was 6.02, and I was like, okay, I guess I'll do it. Because I, was, I wasn't going to do it. I was going to just go to bed, you know. And then um, you guys turned on the hand raising. You know, there was 2,500 people in there, I believe, at the time. So when you guys turned on hand raising, I'm just like, there's no way that I'm about to get picked. There's just no way, you know. <laughs> but then, um, so you guys picked 30 people, and I actually did not get picked. You know, <laughs> but then I guess some people were playing around God's plan. You guys turned that hand raising on. I must have clicked it so fast. Like I was like, like faster than the speed of sound. Like it was crazy. I was like, I got to get up there. I got to get up there. And then as soon as I the it said come up to the stage, I was just like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Like I couldn't believe it. I almost didn't even accept it. Like in time, I was like, oh my god, what am I doing? Let me accept it. So I accepted it, and then. That was that, but it was the scariest thing ever because it was so many people. And of course, you know, you said Tiffany Haddish and Neo and you and Pat Joe and Spinderella. Like, it was a lot. So, but it was awesome. So, you, so you're here in Los Angeles. You've been singing since the age of two years old. And you sung, right. I didn't know at the time that you sung background from some notable people. Who have you sung for? 
I sang background for Solange Knowles, and I was also hired to sing background for Janet Jackson. But that was an interesting kind of thing that happened with that. But yeah. Blue, that's what you would call light flex. That is definitely a heavy flex, a heavy, heavy flex. So talk to me about your name. Is that your real name? This is a stage name. Can you say Katakio? Yeah, Katakio is my middle name. Um, It's funny. My mom actually made it up. It's uh, it's my brother's. It's both my brother's names. So I'm named after them. So one of my brother's name is Kyle Tavio, and my other brother's name is Makio. So the Kata, that's Kyle Tavio. So Kata and then Kio is Makio. So Katakio. So I'm named after my brothers, and that's my middle name. So, yeah. See, there's a restaurant in L.A. named Katsuya, and I thought maybe they was on the way to the hospital and just caught Kat I mean, threw the Takio in there. But either way, you know, you came in with a lot of confidence, and you were up against some gospel singers uh, in the competition. How was it getting judged or feedback from a Neo and a Fat Joe, people who have, you know, excelled in the music business? Honestly, it was awesome. It was a dream come true, you know, just to hear them really appreciate my voice and tell me, you know, all those nice compliments, all the nice things they were saying. It, it just felt amazing. It, it was great. Thank you. I loved it. I had a great time. <laughs> Nerve wracking, but it was great. I have a quick question uh, about Clubhouse, because we know that at least one of us on this platform has a Clubhouse addiction and I smell an intervention coming before the spring. <laughs> I would like to know, are you on Clubhouse for the hustle or do you are you like Jason Lee in the shower uh, you know, on stage giving at, speeches? <laughs> at first, it definitely was like just, you know, networking. You know, I heard a lot of awesome things about it. But then I saw some like pretty fun rooms, you know, we playing like song association or you know, just playing little games here and there. And that's been fun. So it's it's definitely addicting. I absolutely I agree with that. So so talk so talk to me about you your artistry. You know, what is it that you plan to accomplish as an artist? What are you what are your dreams? Like if you today, you know, somebody out there is listening to you, and by the way, I'm gonna ask you to sing something a cappella because you know, real singers okay. gotta be ready for any time. Uh, <laughs> you know, what 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 do you hope to accomplish in music? Well, I mean, honestly, my biggest inspiration, like it's also performance, you know, like it's Beyonce. Absolutely. You know, she's amazing. I definitely, I dance as well. So I'm not just a singer. I'm, I'm trying to be a whole, a whole full out star out here. Okay. Like hip hop, ballet, tap, jazz, like everything, you know? So I just, and also my, my sound is very, um, nineties classic nostalgia, you know, uh, definitely have like hints of like Brandy, uh, and my voice and Mariah Carey, those are definitely my two, like biggest inspiration. Mariah Carey? Wow. I absolutely love her. My favorite song of all time is Honey. So like, yeah, I absolutely love her and uh, and Brandy, you know. So I just, I want to bring back the real R&B sound, you know, like, I mean, I am a fan of the of the trap stuff, you know, but I we're definitely taking it back to 90s and early 2000s. We're with the changing faces, you know, freaking 702, Tony Braxton, Aaliyah, you know, those are the kind of people that I, you know, want to, well, that I do sound like, you know, and that's the kind of music that I really, really love. So I just want to bring that back because I always hear people say, you know, where's all the, you know, the old school type of R&B? We're missing that. So I'm just trying to bring it back. Yeah. (laughs) So when you're on Clubhouse as an artist, you know, I find that there's a lot going on on Clubhouse and you're there looking for exposure, looking to make connections. What would you say to other people who are up and coming or inspiring artists who are looking for their big opportunity or looking uh, to utilize their time wisely? What advice do you have for them? Okay, so on Clubhouse, you know, like you were, I'll say, there's a lot of like, you know, A&Rs, a lot of people are listening to the music and everything. And people are actually very mean on there. You know what I'm saying? So if you, yep. to all of the artists, you know, if you get in a room and it's like, 
four or 500 people and you have these people wanting to hear your music, go on there strictly to play your music for the audience. Okay. Like, don't even worry about who the people are on stage. Cause well, sometimes you, you should, you know, but a lot of times people are on there just to make fun of you. I definitely experienced that. Um, where people were saying like, Oh, you sound like a 40 year old woman who got her groove back, or you sound like this, you sound like that. You know, people are just very rude, you know? And it's funny cause I, I actually started my own room uh, and I titled it Stop Playing Music for People Who Like to Hurt Feelings. And it's crazy, like word got around and all these big names started coming in. You know, Brian Michael Cox was in there. Ray Daniels was in there. A couple other people was in there. And we were just, it, the room grew. It was about almost 700 people in there. And we were just talking about it. You know, I was saying there's a way to tell someone that you like, that you don't like their music without completely disrespecting them. You know, you don't have to be rude. You know, you can just say, um, it wasn't for me. I didn't like it. You know, thank you. Thank you for sharing your work, but you know, it's, it's not going to work for me, you know, but instead people like this, it's, it's terrible. It's garbage. Just give up, jump off a bridge and just, you know what I'm saying? It's like, do we have to go that far? You know what I'm saying? So yeah, if you're on clubhouse, just, I feel like just play your music for all the audience, because the good thing that I got after like people were not that nice, you know, I would get a lot of DMS like, wow, you're amazing. I like, don't listen to them. Like that was great. And I, I definitely have gained over a thousand new followers on Instagram from Clubhouse alone. So it's, it, it's good. Just, just keep following your dreams, do what you do and, you know, just, just stay positive and just protect your mind at all times because people are out there to, they want you to fail. So, you know, you just got to keep going and just never stop. So as the winner of Talent Unlocked, the first ever Talent Unlocked, having performed in front of me, Fat Joe, Neo. Uh, Spinderella and Tiffany Haddish and won and beaten out everybody. What message? Give send a message to each of the judges that may be watching and maybe listening, so they can uh, hear straight from you what you thought about their judging and uh, their commentary. Because you know, me and Joe, we were a little rough on everybody. Neo was PC, <laughs> Tiffany was funny. You know, honestly, so with Neo, I, I was really, really happy and, and proud of him, honestly, for the way that he like just handled all the judging. He gave really good feedback, you know, very detailed feedback. You know, he was like, oh, it was good. I like, you know, he really, really, you know, talked about it. So thank you very much. I really, really appreciated everything that you said. And same for Tiffany Haddish, you know, yeah, she had, you know, jokes here and there, but like it made sense, you know, just talking about, um, you know, she just went in depth also, you know, so I just, I just really appreciate it. Like, I, I think everyone gave great feedback. I don't think anyone was like rude or anything. Like I had a great time. I enjoyed it. So. All right. Okay. So now we got to hear some of the music. Um, what song can you bust out right now and give Michelle Williams a run right for her now. money? Ooh, <laughs> Michelle Williams. Right okay. 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 Um, let's do a little bit of um, do, 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 Dangerously in Love, Beyonce. That's a big song. That's a big song. <laughs> it is. It is. I'm going to try to do a little something because, I mean, so after that, uh, after Hollywood Unlocked, like I was, I was super happy and pumped and just ready to sing. So I was going, hopping in and out of all these rooms, singing and going to other competitions and stuff that my voice definitely got kind of like hoarse, but I'm, I'm going to do a little something for you guys though. Oh, okay? no, no, we don't, no, no, baby. We don't do disclaimers on this show. No, I yeah, no disclaimer. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> Eva, Eva Fair Franklin showed up for rehearsal. So go ahead. <laughs> okay. 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 <clears throat> baby, I love you. You are my life. My happiest moments were incomplete if you weren't by my side. You're my relation and connection to the sun. With you next to me, there's no darkness I can't overcome. 
No, no, wait, wait. I love this song. It's one of my favorite Beyonce songs. Please finish. Do that next line. Do the next couple line. Go ahead. Yeah. You are my raindrops. Go. Okay. <laughs> you are my raindrop. I am a sea. With you and God, who's my sunlight, I bloom and I grow so beautifully. Baby, I'm so proud. Proud to be your girl. You made the confusion go all the way in the cold and mess the world. Oh wow! See now, I could have finished. I could have finished, but it'd have been real gay. But I, I love it. <laughs> you, you see this? This means you, get, you gave me chills. I had to tighten up my sweater. You like that? that Woo! Was good. Hey, that, that, that was beautiful. Oh, okay. <laughs> but listen, we've put your social media up here, so hopefully everybody follows you. And I just want to say, you know, thank you for having the courage to get up there. You was on the stage with some heavy hitters in the game, and Absolutely. you gave it, you gave it all, and people could just see your talent. So congratulations. You have a project coming up. Tell people about your project. Yes, definitely. So, you know, it's funny. Um, about six months ago, I actually had sent Hollywood Unlocked an email asking, you know, how to promote, like promo deals and all that kind of stuff. So like God's plan, you know, so it just feels great to actually be on here and actually talking to you because I was like, dang, how am I going to do this? Like, how am I going to be able to talk to him and everything? And it just worked out, you know? So, so that thousand dollars, thank you so much. You know, I used that to, um, I got my own little photo shoot and, you know, when I, I was hoping that the interview would have been a little bit, you know, further down the road, but since it was so fast, you know, I, I'm actually really happy about it. Cause I had been planning on, uh, releasing a single around Valentine's day, but, um, you know, I'm always, I just like, Oh, I gotta still lose, you know, 15 pounds. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. And I'm just kind of just lollygagging, messing up and everything. So I'm happy that this happened so quickly because I just took that thousand dollars. I took two days, planned a photo shoot, had a makeup artist. I actually live in San Diego right now. So I had to go all the way to LA. I was up and down Santee Alley and uh, downtown LA trying to find outfits, trying to find makeup artists, do all this stuff. It was so much going on, but it came, it came together and the pictures turned out beautiful. You know, so my my new single is called Tell Me What You Like. Um, it's going to be coming out February 5th, you know, right around Valentine's Day. And then I'm actually in the process of shooting a music video for that, too. And I'll have that come out on um, on February 12th. That's 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 the goal, you know. But um, so I use that money to do the photo shoot to help promote my uh, single. So I did, you know, the photo shoot and everything. So, yeah, it's called Tell Me What You Like. It's definitely a slow, sexy, you know, kind of song. You know, I think everyone's going to like it for like Valentine's Day. You know, so um, it's going to be really, really exciting. I'm, I'm super pumped. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. It's going to be See, great. what she said was she took the $1,000 she won and she invested it in herself. She didn't go over and subscribe to the premium OnlyFans. She didn't go Absolutely. throw it. <laughs> But I'm glad that you took the money that you want and reinvested in yourself. And I hope that people, you know, follow you from this interview and keep following your career. And I will see you in these clubhouse streets. You sure will. Absolutely. All right, Katakio, good luck with everything. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank you everybody. Well, listen, this has been a lot. Just to recap, we got a black woman in the White House with some Timberlands on. With Chump, Chump, Chump. Trump is doing <laughs> scratching his fat ass on Helicopter One or Micro Marine Corps One. Michelle Obama is somewhere. She didn't took her lace off and put them cornrows back, and she's looking fabulous. And Hillary is somewhere laughing all you bitches for voting that motherfucker in. And Raz B is going to get just because we're going to air that show, and Hollywood Unlock is going to pay for all of the, uh, what's the thing called? Polygraphs. This has been so much, I forgot what it was called. It was a big show. 
And to anybody who has paused this show to go and watch me talk about Man on Fire, a.k.a. Roland Ray on Gagging with Jason Lee, and who came back to tell me how wrong I am, do you see the duality in my personality? I can be very responsible, and I can be a little reckless, too. But that's why we love Hollywood Unlocked. That's why we love all of you for continuing to come back and watch and listen to this reckless-ass show. Please make sure you're subscribed to YouTube, because that's how we get you to see us and all our black excellence, all the cuteness that I share here with these two crazy motherfuckers. But also, so you can see all the other content that we have. But until then, um, we out of here. Peace. Peace. All right, look, that was a great show. And make sure you keep coming back because we got all types of amazing interviews and topics that are going to make you go crazy. Uh-huh, that's right. That means like, subscribe, do everything you need to do to make sure you stay up to date with what we got going on. And ladies, stay tuned in because you know I have your back. And listen, make sure that you're commenting below because even though I say I don't read it on the show, that's all I do when it's over. Peace. Mm -hmm.